What's up, everyone? I am so excited to be with you. My name is Amanda Davison. I'm the founder and your friend here at A Wife Like Me. And oh, wow, this uh, these few episodes that I'm about to record, no fancy editing here, no music, just me. And in my post-cold voice. So hopefully you don't think I sound too, uh, too much like not myself. But man, these episodes, I have so much written out and I have wanted to talk about this for so long that I'm, we're finally doing it, you guys, we're finally doing it. I've had so many questions because uh, just with my friends and with um, even people who are invested in the mission here at A Wife Like Me have asked about this topic. And so I'm finally going into it because I, I don't think I have gone into it in the past simply because there's so much to say. And you really have to fully explain it all to really make sense of it. And so I'm, we're just doing it. We're finally doing it. Okay. And I'm just going to pray first. So Lord, oh Jesus, we thank you. Father, I thank you that you lived a life that we cannot live and you've died a death we all deserve. I thank you that we get to come before you and we uh, can actually trust you, that we get to surrender everything to you and know that your will for us is best. Father, we ask for forgiveness. Lord, I ask that um, you would come in and do in us um, what only you can do. I pray for transformation in our own hearts. I pray for freedom, for healing, um, and for just a, a fullness, a life of abundance in you, in you alone. Father, help me to um, share your heart on this topic. Help me to fully explain um, what actually is going on in so many marriages. And um, I pray that you would open our ears and our hearts to actually receive this and remember this information so that we can help the people around us, Lord. I pray for freedom in homes and freedom in congregations and communities. And um, I just pray for your heart to come alive within individuals who have been harmed, who are harming Pray for um, a breaking in any bondage or spirit of control or abuse, Lord. We need your help, Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we are talking today about a biblical plan for separation in hopes of reconciliation. When I share that, what I just shared, a biblical plan for separation with hopes of reconciliation with the intent to restore and reconcile, a lot of people are like, huh? And specifically Christians are like, wait, what? <laughs> um, because we don't really talk about this. And I think it's really important that we do. And it, I, if you're like, well, I don't, I'm not a counselor. I don't work at a church. I don't, I don't deal with ministry in any type of way on a regular basis. I say, yes, you do actually, because I will say this multiple times, or at least I hope I remember to say this multiple times throughout these episodes is that you like the chances of you, not me, you being able to identify 
and come alongside somebody in one of these situations way more higher than me because most people don't go to a professional. They're going to share with a friend or a sister something kind of frustrating or confusing to them with you. They're going to share it with their friend. They're, you know, they're going to not come to a professional or their pastor. They're going to just randomly kind of share something or you're going to notice something in their life that's like, huh. Okay. Because you have access to them. Professionals don't typically. So that's why this information is so important for you. The interesting thing, side note, is that most pastors don't even know about what we're going to talk about. Like you have no idea. If you were to go to your pastor and ask him or her, Hey, are you familiar with a biblical, like walking a couple through a biblical plan for separation with the intent of reconciliation? I I would probably bet you money that they would be like, uh, what? <laughs> okay. And so the Oh, like you guys, I wish you could see me. I'm just like holding my face in disbelief because this is, we should know this. Pastors should know this. Um, lay people, leaders in the church should, everybody should know this, but especially them. And I want to say that most people will jump to, um, that doesn't sound biblical, Amanda, like a separating. Why would you ever have or um, recommend a couple to separate? Um like it's like, that's not biblical. And I would, I highly disagree with that. And I'm going to explain what it is and all the things in just a minute, but I hi, I want to set this up first to explain like the need for this. And I know I, I'm saying what I'm saying right now, because I know so many people might be, um, they might feel pushback to what I'm talking about or and going to dive into. And they might receive that if they were to ever talk about it with somebody else. So that's why I'm saying what I'm saying when you like it is never god's heart it's never his heart and it's never his plan it's never his hope for his children to be harmed okay so we divorce is not the answer right um sometimes it's necessary if there's an unrepentant spouse i'm not even going to talk about divorce today i'm not even going there but here's the thing there are absolutely times because it is not God's heart that his children would ever be in a situation where they are being harmed. And they have, there has to be something in place to help them get healthy, get, have the children get healthy in that home with the hope that they're going to get healthy so that they can be healthy as a marriage and a family. Okay. So there are, there are absolutely times when a spouse actually needs to be away from their, from the other spouse. And there are times when the kids, that when a spouse has to get the kids away from the other spouse. Okay. So I, again, I would argue that actually to say, listen to what I'm about to say, to say that keeping the victims, the kids in a situation, the spouse in a situation, to keep them in a situation of harm and to use God's word 
as a reason to keep them in a place of harm is actually spiritual abuse. Okay, that, like, just let that soak in. It is never God's heart that his children will be harmed, ever. And so if there is, we're going to talk about what it actually, what abuse, different types of abuse are. And, but it is never his heart, never his heart. When there is a pattern of abuse, there's abuse in a home, a pattern of unrepentant sin that's harmful to another person, they should not be in that situation. It's, that's, that's not honoring your marriage vows. Okay. And so a biblical plan for restoration with hopes of reconciliation, this is a really helpful, beautiful tool when it is necessary to remove a spouse and, or the kids with a spouse from an an abuser. Okay. So first off, what is the purpose? What is the purpose? And then what is a biblical plan for separation? So the purpose of a Biblical plan for separation with the hopes of reconciliation, because that's the intent. The the intent isn't to separate, to get divorced. The hopes is that we need a season of separation so that we can get healthy, okay? The purpose is to provide space to evaluate and repair the broken parts of the self and the marriage resulting in two healthy people and a restored marriage both spouses will love. I'm going to say that again. The goal of a biblical separation is to provide space to evaluate and then repair the broken parts of the self and of the marriage, resulting in two healthy people and a restored marriage, both spouses will love. I tell you what, I have seen this. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen this actually happen. And you know, what the cool thing is, is this, when spouses agree that this is needed and see, maybe not even both spouses are like, maybe even like seeing it, but they are willing to do it at the beginning. They, and they're, they follow the steps that they put in place to get healthy. It is amazing. I think the Lord moves. Uh, it is, it is phenomenal and it's beautiful. And I'm, I'm just here to tell you that it's possible. I've seen so many couples walk through this. Again, sometimes it's really, really hard because the uh, one spouse might not think this is even like going to do anything or that it's necessary, that they're fine. They think they're fine. And then they get into it. They start getting help and they're like, oh man, and they, they just break because they, they start to see the the behaviors that they've done and they see their own actions and they're heartbroken. It's like the Lord is moving. The Lord is healing you. And the other spouse is getting healthy and understanding all the things that they can do to no longer allow that if it comes back in or creeps back in again. And it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. The goal is healthy homes, you guys, like healthy, happy marriages that are rooted in Christ. And sometimes you just cannot have that when both spouses are together in the same house. Okay. So what is a biblical plan for separation? 
with hopes of reconciliation. It is an agreed upon plan outlining parameters for healing, treatment, and reunification. So what is it? Again, it's an agreed upon plan. So both spouses agree to it. Outlining the parameters for healing, and I'll get into each of these individually later, but parameters about uh, healing, treatment, and reunification. So we'll talk through that, but essentially it's a plan, specific plan, saying what the spouses are going to do each to get healthy. And then what conditions must be met in order for them to be together again. So then the next question is, when is it helpful? When is it necessary for a couple to separate, again, for the purpose of getting healthy so that they can be in a marriage that is healthy? Okay. When is it helpful or necessary? When there are, when there is any type of abuse, a pattern of either emotional, sexual, spiritual, physical, or financial harm. Okay. So when there's any type of abuse, a biblical plan for separation is necessary in, in my opinion. I have seen this again, so many, so many, so many, so many times. The reason why I'm going to explain why that is so, why it's necessary. The reason a biblical plan for separation with the intent of reconciliation is necessary when there is current abuse in marriage. So I want to, I want to say, this is not speaking to some like years ago when we first start, you know, first started dating or we first got married, there was a season of time where, you know, one spouse was X, Y, Z. No, this is talking about current this has been, this is currently happening in the marriage and it's, it has, it, abuse is not a one-time, it can be a one-time thing, but it's a pattern that it's a cycle that's been going on for time, for a period of time. Okay. So the reason a biblical plan for separation is necessary when there is current abuse in the marriage is because both spouses need to get healthy when there has been abuse in the marriage. Both spouses need to get healthy so that they can be healthy together. And it is very difficult to get healthy individually. So it's very difficult to get healthy as yourself, you know, to learn about what abuse is, to learn how um, either for the abuser, how you've played a part in that abuse or for the victim, how you've maybe enabled it and allowed it and not, you know, use your voice and it's never your fault, but to learn what my boundaries are um, and how to implement those boundaries. It's very difficult to get healthy, to do those things and live in the same home with the abuser. Okay. That's why this is so helpful. That's why I've seen, I've seen couples walk through this biblical plan for separation and reconcile and be healthy long-term rather than I've seen couples in marriage counseling for decades and nothing ever changes. So 
that's why this is healthy. It's really hard for a victim to live with their abuser and both learn how to be healthy. I, I have yet to see that honestly. So that's why the separation getting out of the environment and access to close access, daily access to the abuser and victim is so crucial because it breaks you away from your normal and it forces you to, instead of being together, you're working on the things that you need to work on. You're going, you're doing whatever those steps are that you will outline as your parameters to get healthy. So that's why this is important because when, when there's been a cycle of any type of abuse in marriage, it's really hard to break out of that while living together. Okay. It's really hard to break out of that when all of your routines are the same. And when you're with them every day, still, it's very difficult to break out of that. And so I just cannot also, I want to stress, I can't tell you how important it is that every single one of us learn what we're about to talk about, how to identify abuse in marriage. We're going to first talk about this, that this is the really the crucial time where a biblical separation with the intent of reconciliation is important when there's abuse. We need to, all of us, you and me, we need your friends, whoever lives in your neighborhood, all your people need to learn how to identify abuse so that we can actually help them. But we have to learn how to identify it again, because you're the one, you're the one that's going to notice something hear about a text, maybe see a text, ask a couple questions, or they might share something with you. And you're the one that's going to be able to identify it. So we're going to spend time now uh, in this series going through each type of abuse. And I'm going to get specific. And you, I could bet money that you are going to be surprised by what I'm going to say. And you're going to be like, I had no idea, Amanda. I'm like, I know. I know I wish somebody would have told me this day one because I wonder, I can think back and I wonder how many marriages I've come in contact with who are in abusive marriages, but I just didn't know. I didn't know what, I didn't even know like that that was a thing. So that's why this is so important. And I'm actually begging you to share it with your people. I'm asking you to share these episodes with people and say, can you please listen to this? Cause you have no idea who this might help. Okay. So we're going to dive in. I might have to break up even the different types of abuse in different episodes, depending how long this gets. But also first, the in the show notes of these episodes is the phone number for the National Domestic Abuse Hotline. And I just want to say it right now in case you at any time are like, yep, this is me. You can save this number in your phone um, as, a, as like a... Um, as under a name that would help you remember it if you ever need it, like um, help when I'm confused or something like that. So that maybe um, you don't want somebody seeing it, that in your phone as the national domestic abuse hotline in your contacts, but maybe you want to save it as something that you will remember uh, later on if you ever need it. So the phone number is 817-369- 3970 and it's linked below also in, or it's, um, in the show notes below. Okay. What is abuse in marriage? And then I'm going to talk about each of them. So abuse in general is repeated harm or distress done to another person. It's kind of general, right? Like 
repeated harm or distress to another person. So it's not like a situational one-time thing, which it, th- that doesn't mean it wasn't harmful or didn't cause you distress, but it is repeated harm or distress done to another person. It is done with the purpose. It is done with intentionality, typically to gain control of another person, to get something the abusive spouse needs. Typically, again, what they need is power or control. Okay. It might be helpful to ask a spouse who's unsure if they're in an abusive relationship. It might be helpful to ask some questions like this. Have you ever asked your spouse to stop doing that? And if if the spouse has asked their spouse to stop, but they've continued well, that's abuse. Very simple. That's abuse. But even if the spouse, the victim has not asked outright their spouse to stop, but there's a pattern of these behaviors, it's still abuse. Just because they haven't asked them to stop, stop doesn't mean it's not abuse, but it, it helps the abuse, uh, the victim. It helps the victim when you ask, like, have you ever asked them to stop? And they say, well, yeah. Well, have they? No. Okay. Well, that that's a pattern and that's abuse. So it's, it can be helpful to be like, I've asked them to stop and they haven't. That's abuse. So it can just be helpful for the victim to, huh? Okay. Consider that. But again, even if they haven't asked them to stop and there's a pattern, so it's not like a one situational thing off a fluke one-time deal where they yelled at them. It, it's like, there's a pattern there. Okay. That that's typically like what signals this is abuse. It's a, it's a pattern of this behavior. So first, which we might just even just have the, this, <laughs> this abuse uh, today in this episode, but I want to first talk about the most common type of abuse I see in marriages. And we're going to, you're going to, again, you, your jaw might drop in as we talk about this because you might not even know that this is emotional abuse but we're going to talk about it first emotional abuse because it's the most common and it's the most dismissed by christians so you guys seriously we have to understand especially in the christian community we have to understand that we have done a terrible job at talking about this, number one, like we don't talk about this. And what unfortunately we have to own is that when this has been talked about or a spouse shares something like what we're going to talk about with us, we've maybe dismissed it or like, yeah, you know, whatever. Right. Like, but did, but did they hit you? And specifically I'm going to refer to as he, because I have only seen one so far. This happens much more than I'm saying, I know, but I'm just saying nine times out of 10, it is the male that's the abuser. And typically, I think that's because of our Christian culture that we're going to talk about spiritual abuse later, but because there's that leadership dynamic there that they feel that they have some um, entitlement to be able to abuse. Okay. So, um, but 
emotional abuse typically is dismissed in the Christian community and we cannot do that. We, we have got to get very clear with, with the world, <laughs> with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, that we understand what they're experiencing, what it is, it's emotional abuse, and it is not okay. Okay, but in, so that, that's why we're going to talk about emotional abuse first. And we, again, <sighs> turn this up, stop what you're doing, take notes, all the things. Um, and maybe as I just said that, maybe I should type all this out and put it in the show notes so that you can actually even just copy and paste it and print it off or something. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I know that that might get really long, but what is emotional abuse? Emotional abuse is controlling another person by using emotions to criticize, embarrass, shame, blame or otherwise manipulate. I'll read that again. Emotional abuse is controlling another person by using emotions to criticize, embarrass, shame, blame, or otherwise manipulate. Okay. The goal, any type of abuse, the goal is always to control. One spouse controls the other. One spouse has more power than the other. That's, that's always the goal of, of an abuser is to have power and control. Okay. So emotional abuse, I'm going to share different ways that this can look. Okay. Emotional abuse might look like isolation. A, an abusive spouse might attempt to isolate their other spouse again, so they can uh, gain control by taking away their support network. It's subtle. It, ha- it starts out very subtle where they maybe guilt them into staying home or say that they don't like them spending time with somebody, a friend or family. But the goal is for the, the abuser removes the victim support network for the purpose, again, of control. The abusive spouse might feel insecure or maybe they're afraid that their spouse might leave them or find someone else or might start thinking anything different than the abuser. So the thinking here is that the uh, abuser wants to isolate the other spouse to get what they want, whatever that might be. But ultimately it's, it's control. So isolation is emotional abuse. So emotional abuse also might look like the abuser threatening a certain type of consequence if the abuser doesn't get what they want. So the victim has this sort of like fear looming over them. Like uh, the abuser might threaten to leave maybe, or they might threaten to withhold something from them like affection or finances or sex or love or a car or a place to stay or maybe share, um, like threatening to share false information with people about, about the spouse. Um, they might threaten to talk with an attorney and, uh, take the kids away. So there's some sort of threat that is, is there also another common threat the abuser can, can give is actually self-harm or suicide. 
it's very common for an abuser to threaten harm in any way, um, but specifically to themselves as a way to get what they want. So any type of threat is emotional abuse. Okay. So again, anytime you hear a friend talking about the first one was isolation, like, oh, he just doesn't want me hanging out with them anymore because blah, 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 blah. What? Tell me more about that. What do you mean he won't let you? He doesn't want you hanging out with them. Well, da, 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 da. Okay. How about like other people? He lets you like, you have freedom to hang out with them, right? Well, doesn't really want me going out at night anymore, da, 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 or whatever, whatever. So you're like, huh, that sounds like isolation. You will say that kind of sounds like isolation to me. And I don't know if you know, but that's emotional abuse, right? That's the type of thing you'll say. And then again, any type of threat. So if you hear like, oh, he told me like, or we got in this huge fight and then I had to, you know, I was so, it was so hard because he, he told me that, you know, he might hurt himself if I blah, 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 blah. So I didn't really know what to do and da, da, wait, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Did you know that any type of threat is actually emotional abuse? So like, again, you want to listen for any, any of these within yourself, your own marriage or anybody else. Okay. So any type of threat is emotional abuse. It could also look like emotional abuse could also look like yelling or name calling. Maybe comments like you're so dumb. You're such an idiot. You're fat. You're a terrible mother. Things like that. Uh, any anger outbursts, any verbal anger outbursts, that's emotional abuse. Name calling, yelling is emotional abuse. Okay. Uh, tuck that away. Remember that. Emotional abuse also might look like gaslighting. Most people don't actually understand. Like when a lot of people will explain a dynamic to me within their own marriage or somebody else's that they know. And I'll be like, oh yeah, they're gaslighting. They're like, what? So I'm going to talk about that. So gaslighting is when the abuser makes the victim question their reality to gain power and control. And I'm going to give examples. So it's when the abuser makes the victim question their reality to gain power and control. It's actually just a way to create doubt and confusion. You're like, wait, did that really happen? Like, wait, I thought that you're the one that said that, or, but this is actually on my phone. Like I have proof, but wait, I'm the one that did something wrong. Like it, it causes them to doubt and to be very confused. So the victim might, for example, make a statement to their abuser. They might say something that they didn't appreciate, maybe. Maybe how the abuser said something at dinner with family. And instead of listening and acknowledging and apologizing for that comment, the abuser will say something like, you're the only one that took it that way. Plus, that's not even what I said. Do you see that? So instead of the abuser owning taking accountability for what they said or did, they will turn it back on their spouse, on the victim, and point something out that they did. 
or make them feel crazy for even thinking that. Um, the, the gaslighter, the abuser will deny they could, they, they can look like this. Gaslighting can look like just straight up denial. Like I didn't say that. I didn't do that. What are you talking about? Right. Just straight up denial. Um, and even when there's proof of evidence, even when the victim has proof, like, no, I recorded you saying this. I have this on my phone. I saw that you texted that person. I like, no, you, you did hit me. Whatever that, whatever the thing is, it could be small, it could be big. Even in the face of evidence, the, the gaslighter, the abuser will straight up deny it and make the victim feel straight up crazy about it and straight up confused. Like they're, they're imagining it, they're, you know, you name it. That's not really what happened. That's what the abuser will do. Gaslighters attack and blame other people instead of staying on the topic or the same issue at hand. So the key to when I when I try to help a spouse to start to identify gaslighting, I will always go back and and this is what I tell them to do. I say remember what it is you first said or the thing you are not okay with. Like, again, let's just say the the gaslighter made fun of the spouse at dinner in front of family or friends. So if the spouse has said to their abuser, to the gaslighter, I, that comment you made at dinner, I didn't appreciate that. It made me feel really bad. Could you please not do that again? That's the comment that you're staying on it. And a gaslighter will maybe blame someone else or are you kidding me? I blame the victim even. Are you kidding me? What's wrong with you? How could you even have a problem with that? I didn't even say that anyway. Okay. So immediately they're taking the attention off of what you said and putting it somewhere else. So then you stay on that comment. I said that I didn't appreciate what you said to me at dinner. And I asked you to not do that again. Then they might bring it somewhere else. And whenever they bring it somewhere else, Again, that's the clue that tells you this is gaslighting. You're not staying on the topic. You're not taking accountability. You're not listening. You're not respecting my feelings or my thoughts. Instead, of, instead you're disrespecting me by making me question, by making me doubt, by, by putting the blame on somebody else. That's gaslighting. Immediately, that's gaslighting. Gaslighting is emotional abuse. Okay. Emotional abuse could also look like just disrespecting the spouse's feelings or experience. Disrespecting a spouse's feelings or experience. An emotional abuser will often trivialize or minimize their spouse's experience and criticize them for having that issue. They'll invalidate their spouse. Like, I can't believe you, I can't believe you think that. You're like, what's wrong with you? Are you, you're like so insecure. Um, instead of saying, I'm, I'm really sorry. Again, using that example I just did about dinner. Instead of saying, whoa, I, I didn't even recognize that that was hurtful. I'm sorry. Um, I won't say that again. Like easy, done and done. That's an, that's a mature response to that spouse's 
request and experience of saying, I didn't like that. Can you not do that again? Instead, they'll disrespect them again, by just not even acknowledging that that was difficult. Um, also I see this frequently where, um, a spouse literally will just say something that was difficult. It doesn't even have to be in relation to the abuser. It could just be an experience that she had at work or with a friend or with their child. And the emotional abuser will, uh, cut her down for for having that experience. So they're just disrespecting that that was difficult for her or whatever she did experience in that situation, they'll just cut her down for that experience, whatever that might be. I also see this happening a lot in, um, which we're going to get into sexual abuse, but when a spouse has a boundary of like, no, I, I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. The emotional abuser will just disrespect that and not care about the spouse's boundary. But it can also just be boundaries that a, a, a wife has around anything. Um, again, maybe like sharing information in public that she feels embarrassed about or um, any boundary she has maybe with in-laws or anything that she uh, has in place that makes her feel safe and secure. Um, I, the emotional abuser will just straight up disrespect that. So if a wife does not want her husband sharing information with his mom or with his parents about some particular thing, but the husband straight up just does. And she says, why did you share that with them? Uh, I asked you like not to do that. Like, again, that's her boundary. I asked you not to do that. I don't feel comfortable with you sharing that information. He just straight up doesn't care. Like it doesn't matter to him. So he's disrespecting her needs, her asks, her boundaries, her desires. Okay. So that's just disrespecting and invalidating that that matters. That's not a union. That's emotional abuse. Okay. And then finally, another way emotional abuse can, can be in marriage or it can look is by just character assassination, which this is the deliberate effort to damage the other spouse's reputation. It's a common type of emotional abuse. So the abuser will blame their spouse for any issue and they will lie about them to other people or maybe purposely make them look bad through some type of rumor. This happens frequently when things are getting maybe escalated where the abuser is fearful that the victim might start speaking out against the abuse that they're doing. So if they fear that the victim might start sharing things with other people, then the abuser will start lying, start spreading things, start sharing false information about their spouse. Um, and that's character assassination. Again, it can be subtle, like within family members or friends, or it can be outright, like just what they're doing. They're, they're openly sharing with maybe a pastor, leaders, um, coworker, whoever, just people just blatantly to get them to believe something about the victim. Because again, the whole point is power and control. They want to own the narrative and own what people are going to believe about their spouse. And they don't want them to be outed. So they will start 
assassinating the character of the victim. This is emotional abuse. Also, another way that this looks typically is within kid, the, within the family unit. The abuser, the emotional abuser, will share lies with the kids about the mom is what I see most often. So the dad will start sharing things that are not true about the the mom to get the kids to turn against the mom. Okay. So that is emotional abuse. Emotional abuse, friends, I would say is, again, it's by far the most common type of abuse I see within marriages. And again, it is oftentimes, unfortunately, downplayed in the Christian communities. It it cannot be. Um, This is Men, research actually suggests that emotional abuse is more harmful than even physical or sexual abuse. Why? Because it is so emotionally exhausting. It is confusing. It is a mental abuse. It is so hard to think clearly when a victim has been emotionally abused. Uh, because it has to do with your thought. Like they, they start doubting, they start questioning everything that they're saying, that they're experiencing. They, they lose their sense of personal autonomy and agency. They lose the ability to think for themselves and actually stay in reality. They start doubting reality. They, it is so damaging. Another reason why when there's been a pattern of emotional abuse in a marriage if there isn't a separation where both spouses, again, the abuser begins to recognize and understand their own abuse and the victim starts understanding what the abuse is, <laughs> that what they've experienced is abuse and then how, like what they are and what they are not willing to live with anymore, what their boundaries are going to be and how they're going to implement those boundaries that again i have not yet seen that happen while two spouses are living together on a daily basis with kids with stressors with all of that i have not yet seen a couple get healthy individually under the same roof when there's been emotional abuse in the marriage i have seen it multiple 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 I, I i don't even know how many times so many times happen though when they are separated and getting help individually and they have space to begin to identify and and then learn and develop boundaries around that abuse so that it doesn't continue so that it's done okay so that's emotional abuse it's one of the ways one of the times where uh, again there this biblical plan for separation with the intent of reconciliation is very helpful. We're going to be back next with another episode talking about the other types of abuse. We're going to go into into each of those, and then we're going to talk through what a biblical plan for separation with the intent of reconciliation, with what that actually, that plan entails. All right, friends, thank you so much for being here. And um, if you have any questions for me, you can always send in an audio message reply to this uh, podcast, or you can just uh, message us. You can DM us on Instagram at a wife like me or on Facebook, a wife like me, or you can email anytime info at 
awifelikeme.com. It comes straight to me and I will respond to your questions. Um, Lord, we just lift up anyone who is struggling themselves right now, um, who is in an abusive marriage, who isn't sure where to turn, Lord. We pray that first and foremost, you would help her know who she is and who you are to her. I pray that her life would be rooted in you and you alone. I pray that you would surround her with resources, with tools, with maybe uh, charities in her community that help. I pray that she'd have and find the courage to take her first step in getting help. Um, I pray that, Lord, you would um, just, Lord, that you would embody her, that you, your presence, your spirit alive inside of her would help sustain her as she begins to just determine um, how to get healthy, Lord, and and figure out a way that that will happen. And and Lord, we just ask and pray that for any spouse who is married to an abuser, Lord, we pray for freedom and health in them. We pray that your kindness, Lord, would lead them to repentance, that your kindness would be so palpable and overwhelming to their spouse that they would be led to repentance, full surrender, and turning from their old wicked ways toward health, toward life, toward you, Lord. And so would you help us all to be able to be uh, just conduits of change, um, help us to speak truth in love to our brothers and sisters, um, and help us know what that looks like, Lord. We pray all of this in your name. Amen.